Section 9 of A Tale of a Tub by Jonathan Swift. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The digression concerning the original, the use and improvement of madness in a commonwealth. Nor shall it in any ways detract from the just reputation of this famous sect that its rise and institution are owing to such an author as I have described Jack to be, a person whose intellectuals were overturned and his brain shaken out of its natural position, which he commonly supposed to be a distemper, and called by the name of madness or frenzy. For if we take a survey of the greatest actions that have been performed in the world under the influence of single men which are the establishment of new empires by conquest the advance and progress of new schemes in philosophy and the contriving as well as the propagating of new religions we shall find the authors of them all to have been persons whose natural reason hath admitted great revolutions from their diet their education the prevalency of some certain temper together with the particular influence of air and climate Besides, there is something individual in human minds that easily kindles at the accidental approach and collision of certain circumstances, which, though of paltry and mean appearance, do often flame out into the greatest emergencies of life. For great terms are not always given by strong hands, but by lucky adaptation, and at proper seasons, and it is of no import where the fire was kindled if the vapour has once got up into the brain. For the upper region of man is furnished like the middle region of the air. The materials are formed from causes of the widest difference, yet produce at last the same substance and effect. Mists arise from the earth, steams from dunghills, exhalations from the sea, and smoke from fire, yet all clouds are the same in composition as well as consequences. And the fumes issuing from a jakes will furnish as comely and useful a vapour as incense from an altar. Thus far, I suppose, will easily be granted me, and then it will follow that as the face of nature never produces rain, but when it is overcast and disturbed, so human understanding, seated in the brain, must be troubled and overspread by vapours ascending from the lower faculties to water the invention and render it fruitful. Now, although these vapours, as it hath been already said, are of as various original as those of the skies, yet the crop they produce differs both in kind and degree merely according to the soil i will produce two instances to prove and explain what i am now advancing a certain great prince raised a mighty army filled his coffers with infinite treasures provided an invincible fleet and all this without giving the least part of his design to his greatest ministers or his nearest favourites immediately the whole world was alarmed the neighbouring crowns in trembling expectation towards what point the storm would burst, the small politicians everywhere forming profound conjectures. Some believed he had laid a scheme for universal monarchy. Others, after much insight, determined the matter to be a project for pulling down the Pope and setting up the reformed religion, which had once been his own. Some again of a deeper sagacity sent him into Egypt to subdue the Turk and recover Palestine. In the midst of all these projects and preparations, a certain state surgeon, gathering the nature of the disease by these symptoms, attempted the cure, at one blow performed the operation, broke the bag, and out flew the vapour, nor did anything want to render it a complete remedy, only that the prince unfortunately happened to die in the performance. 
Now is the reader exceeding curious to learn from whence this fable took its rise, which had so long set the nations at a gaze. What secret wheel, what hidden spring could put into motion so wonderful an engine? It was afterwards discovered that the movement of this whole machine had been directed by an absent female who was removed into an enemy's country. What should an unhappy prince do in such ticklish circumstances as these? He tried in vain the poet's never-failing receipt of corpora kerike, for idke piti corpus mens unde et sacria amore, unde feritur eo tendit gestitque cure. Having to no purpose used all peaceable endeavours, the collected part of the semen raised and inflamed became adjust, converted to collar, turned head from the spinal duct, and ascended to the brain. The very same principle that influences a bully break the windows of a woman who has jilted him naturally stirs up a great prince to raise mighty armies and dream of nothing but sieges battles and victories the other instance is what i have read somewhere in a very ancient author of a mighty king who for the space of above thirty years amused himself to take and lose towns beat armies and be beaten drive princes out of their dominions, fright children from their bread and butter, burn, lay waste, plunder, dragoon, massacre subject and stranger, friend and foe, male and female. It is recorded that the philosophers of each country were in grave dispute upon causes natural, moral, and political, to find out where they should assign any original solution of this phenomenon. At last the vapour or spirit which animated the hero's brain, being in perpetual circulation, seized upon that region of the human body so renowned for furnishing the sibeta occidentalis and gathering there into a tumour left the rest of the world for that time in peace of such mighty consequence is it where those exhalations fix and of so little from whence they proceed the same spirits which in their superior progress would conquer a kingdom descending upon the anus conclude in a fistula let us next examine the great introducers of new schemes in philosophy, and search till we can find from what faculty of the soul the disposition arises in mortal man of taking into his head to advance new systems with such an eager zeal, in things agreed on all hands impossible to be known, from what seeds this disposition springs, and to what quality of human nature these grand innovators have been indebted for their number of disciples because it is plain that several of the chief among them, both ancient and modern, were usually mistaken by their adversaries, and indeed by all except their own followers, to have been persons crazed or out of their wits, having generally proceeded in the common course of their words and actions by a method very different from the vulgar dictates of unrefined reason, agreeing for the most part in their several models with their present undoubted successors in the academy of modern bedlam whose merits and principles I shall further examine in due place. Of this kind, were Epicurus, Diogenes, Apollonius, Lucretius, Paracelsus, Descartes, and others who, if they were now in the world, tied fast and separate from their followers, would in this our undistinguishing age incur manifest danger of phlebotomy, whips and chains and dark chambers and straw. For what man, in the natural state or course of thinking, did ever conceive it in his power to reduce the notions of all mankind exactly to the same length and breadth and height of his own. Yet this is the first humble and civil design of all innovators in the empire of reason. Epicurus modestly hoped 
at one time or other a certain fortuitous concourse of all men's opinions after perpetual jostlings the sharp with the smooth the light and the heavy the round and the square would by a certain clinamina unite in the notions of atoms and void as these did in the originals of all things cartesius reckoned to see before he died the sentiments of all philosophers like so many lesser stars in his romantic system wrapped and drawn within his own vortex now i would gladly be informed how it is possible to account for such imaginations as these in particular men without recourse to my phenomenon of vapours ascending from the lower faculties to overshadow the brain and there distilling into conceptions for which the narrowness of our mother tongue has not yet assigned any other name beside that of madness or frenzy let us therefore now conjecture how it comes to pass that none of these great prescribers do ever fail providing themselves and their notions with a number of implicit disciples and i think the reason is easy to be assigned for there is a peculiar string in the harmony of human understanding which in several individuals is exactly of the same tune this if you can dexterously screw up to its right key and then strike gently upon it whenever you have the good fortune to light among those of the same pitch they all by a secret necessary sympathy strike exactly at the same time and in this one circumstance lies all the skill or luck of the matter for if you chance to jar the string among those who are either above or below your own height instead of subscribing to your doctrine they will tie you fast call you mad and feed you with bread and water it is therefore a point of the nicest conduct to distinguish and adapt this noble talent with respect to the differences of persons and of times cicero understood this very well when writing to a friend in england with a caution among other matters to beware of being cheated by our hackney coachmen who it seems in those days were as arrant rascals as they are now has these remarkable words est quod gaudeas te in ista loca venise ubi aliquid sapere viderere for to speak a bold truth it is a fatal miscarriage so ill to order affairs as to pass for a fool in one company when in another you might be treated as a philosopher which i desire some certain gentlemen of my acquaintance to lay up in their hearts as a very sensible innuendo this indeed was the fatal mistake of that worthy gentleman my most ingenious friend mr Watton, a person in appearance ordained for great designs as well as performances whether you will consider his notions or his looks surely no man ever advanced into the public with fitter qualifications of body and mind for the propagation of a new religion oh and those happy talents misapplied to vain philosophy been turned into their proper channels of dreams and visions where distortion of mind and countenance are of such sovereign use the base detracting world would not then have dared to report that something is amiss that his brain hath undergone an unlucky shake which even his brother modernists themselves like ungrates do whisper so loud that it reaches up to the very garret i am now writing lastly whoever pleases to look into the fountains of enthusiasm from whence in all ages have eternally proceeded such fattening streams will find the spring-head to have been as troubled and muddy as the current of such great emolument is a tincture of this vapour which the world calls madness that without its help the world would not only be deprived of those two great blessings conquests and systems but even all mankind would unhappily be reduced to the same belief 
in things invisible now the former postulatum being held that is of no import from what originals this vapour proceeds but either in what angles it strikes and spreads over the understanding or upon what species of brain it ascends it will be a very delicate point to cut the feather and divide the several reasons to a nice and curious reader how this numerical difference in the brain can produce effects of so vast a difference from the same vapour as to be the sole point of individuation between alexander the great jack of leyden and monsieur descartes the present argument is the most abstracted that ever i engaged in it strains my faculties to the highest stretch and i desire the reader to attend with utmost propensity for i now proceed to unravel this knotty point there is in mankind a certain hikmulta desiderantur and that is i take to be a clear solution of the matter having therefore so narrowly passed through this intricate difficulty the reader will i am sure agree with me in the conclusion that if the moderns mean by madness only a disturbance or transposition of the brain by force of certain vapours issuing from the lower faculties then has this madness been the parent of all those mighty revolutions that have been happened in empire in philosophy and in religion for the brain in its natural position and state of serenity dispossessed its own to pass his life in the common forms without any thought of subduing multitudes to his own power his reasons or his visions and the more he shapes his understanding by the pattern of human learning the less he is inclined to form parties after his particular notions because that instructs him in his private infirmities as well as in the stubborn ignorance of people but when a man's fancy gets astride on his reason when imagination is at cuffs with the senses and common understanding as well as common sense is kicked out of doors the first proselyte he makes is himself and when that is once compassed the difficulty is not so great in bringing over others a strong delusion always operating from without as vigorously as from within for cant and vision are to the ear and the eye the same that tickling is to the touch those entertainments and pleasures we most value in life are such as dupe and play the wag with the senses for if we take an examination of what is generally understood by happiness as it has respect either to the understanding or the senses we shall find all its properties and adjuncts were heard under this short definition that it is a perpetual possession of being well deceived and first with relation to the mind or understanding it is manifest what mighty advantages fiction has over truth and the reason is just at our elbow because imagination can build nobler scenes and produce more wonderful revolutions than fortune or nature will be at the expense to furnish nor is mankind so much to blame in his choice thus determining him if we consider that the debate merely lies between things past and things conceived and so the question is only this whether things that have place in the imagination may not as properly be said to exist as those that are seated in the memory which may be justly held in the affirmative and very much to the advantage of the former since this is acknowledged to be the womb of things and the other allowed to be no more than the grave again if we take this definition of happiness and examine it with reference to the senses it will be acknowledged wonderfully adapt how sad and insipid do all objects accost us that are not conveyed in the vehicle of delusion how shrunk if everything as it appears in the glass of nature 
so that if it were not for the assistance of artificial mediums false lights refracted angles varnish and tinsel there would be a mighty level in the felicity and enjoyments of mortal men if this were seriously considered by the world as i have a certain reason to suspect it hardly will men would no longer reckon among their high points of wisdom the art of exposing weak sides and publishing infirmities an employment in my opinion neither better nor worse than that of unmasking which i think has never been allowed fair usage either in the world or the playhouse in the proportionate credulity is a more peaceful possession of the mind than curiosity so far preferable is that wisdom which converses about the surface to that pretended philosophy which enters into the depths of things and then comes gravely back with informations and discoveries that in the inside they are good or nothing the two senses to which all objects first address themselves are the sight and the touch these never examine farther than the colour the shape the size and whatever other qualities dwell or drawn by art upon the outward of bodies and then comes reason officiously with tools for cutting and opening and mangling and piercing offering to demonstrate that they are not the same consistence quite through now i take all this to be the last degree of perverting nature one of whose eternal laws it is to put her best furniture forward and therefore in order to save the charges of all such expensive anatomy for the time to come i do here think fit to inform the reader that in such conclusions as this reason is certainly in the right and that in most corporeal beings which have fallen under my cognizance the outside hath been infinitely preferable to the inn whereof i have been further convinced from some late experiments last week i saw a woman flayed and you will hardly believe how much it altered her person for the worse yesterday i ordered the carcass of a bow to be stripped in my presence when we were all amazed to find so many unsuspected faults under one suit of clothes then i laid open his brain his heart and his spleen but i plainly perceived at every operation that the farther we proceeded we found the defects increase upon us in number and bulk from all which i justly formed this conclusion to myself that whatever philosopher or projector can find out an art to solder and patch up the flaws and imperfections of nature will deserve much better of mankind and teach us a more useful science than that so much in present esteem of widening and exposing them like him who held anatomy to be the ultimate end of physic and he whose fortunes and dispositions have placed him in a convenient station to enjoy the fruits of this noble art he that can with epicurus content his ideas with the films and images that fly off upon his senses from the superficies of things such as man truly wise creams of nature leaving the sour and the dregs for philosophy and reason to lap up this is a sublime and refined point of felicity called the possession of being well deceived the serene peaceful state of being a fool among knaves but to return to madness it is certain that according to the system i have above deduced every species thereof proceeds from a redundancy of vapour therefore as some kinds of frenzy give double strength to the sinews so there are of other species which add vigour and life and spirit to the brain now it usually happens that these active spirits getting possession of the brain resemble those that haunt other waste and empty dwellings which for want of business either vanish and carry away a piece of the house or else stay at home and fling it all out of the windows by which are mystically displayed the two principal branches of madness 
and which some philosophers, not considering so well as I, have mistook to be different in their causes, over hastily assigning the first to deficiency and the other to redundance. I think it therefore manifest, from what I have here advanced, that the main point of skill and address is to furnish employment for this redundancy of vapour, and prudently to adjust the seasons of it, by which means it may certainly become of cardinal and catholic emolument in a commonwealth. Thus one man, choosing a proper juncture, leaps into a gulf, from thence proceeds a hero, and is called the saviour of his country. Another achieves the same enterprise, but unluckily timing it, has left the brand of madness fixed as a reproach upon his memory. Upon so nice a distinction are we taught to repeat the name of Curtius, with reverence and love, that of Empedocles, with hatred and contempt. Thus also it is usually conceived that the elder Brutus only personated the fool and madman for the good of the public, but this was nothing else than a redundancy of the same vapour long misapplied, called by the Latins ingenium par negotis, or to translate it as nearly as I can, a sort of frenzy, never in its right element, till you take it up in business of the state. Upon all which, and many other reasons of equal weight, though not equally curious, I do here gladly embrace an opportunity I have long sought for, of recommending it as a very noble undertaking to Sir Edward Seymour, Sir Christopher Musgrave, Sir John Bowles, John Howe Esquire, and other patriots concerned, that they would move for leave to bring in a bill for appointing commissioners to inspect into Bedlam and the parts adjacent, who should be empowered to send for persons, papers and records to examine into the merits and qualifications of every student and professor, to observe with utmost exactness the several dispositions and behaviour by which means duly distinguishing and adapting their talents, they might produce admirable instruments for the several offices in the state, civil and military, proceeding in such methods as I shall here humbly propose. And I hope the gentle reader will give some allowance to my great solicitudes in this important affair, upon account of that high esteem I have ever borne that honourable society, whereof I had some time the happiness to be an unworthy member. Is any student tearing his straw in piecemeal, swearing and blaspheming, biting his grate, foaming at the mouth and emptying his vessel in the spectators' faces? Let the right worshipful, the commissioners of inspection, give him a regiment of dragoons, and send him into Flanders among the rest. Is another eternally talking, sputtering, gaping, bawling in the sound without period or article, what wonderful talents are here mislaid. Let him be furnished immediately with a green bag and papers, and threepence in his pocket, and away with him to Westminster Hall. You will find a third gravely taking the dimensions of his candle, a person of foresight and insight, though kept quite in the dark, why, like Moses, ecce conuta eret eius facis, he walks duly in one pace, and treats your penny with due gravity and ceremony, talks much of hard times and taxes, and the whore of Babylon bars up the wooden of his cell constantly at eight o'clock, dreams of fire and shoplifters and court customers and privileged places. Now what a figure would all these acquirements amount to if the owner were sent into the city among his brethren? Behold a fourth in much and deep conversation with himself, biting his thumbs at proper junctures, his countenance chequered with business and design, sometimes walking very fast, with his eyes nailed to a paper that he holds in his hands, a great savour of time, somewhat think of hearing very short of sight, but more of memory, a man ever in haste, a great hatcher and breeder of business, and excellent, the famous art of whispering nothing, 
a huge idolater of monosyllables and procrastination, so ready to give his word to everybody that he never keeps it, one that has forgot the common meaning of words, but an admirable retainer of the sound extremely subject to the looseness of his occasions are perpetually calling him away. If you approach his great in his familiar interval, sir, says he, give me a penny and I'll sing you a song, but give me the penny first, hence comes the common saying and commoner practice of parting with money for a song, what a complete system of court skill is here described in every branch of it and all utterly lost with wrong application. Accost the whole of another kennel, first stopping your nose, you will behold a surly gloomy, nasty, slovenly mortal, raking in his own dung and dabbling in his urine. The best part of his diet is the reversion of his own ordure, which expiring into steams, whirls perpetually about, and at last re-infunds, his complexion is of a dirty yellow, with a thin scattered beard, exactly agreeable to that of his diet upon its first declination, like other insects, who, having their birth and education in an excrement, from thence borrow their colour and their smell. The student of this apartment is very sparing of his words, but somewhat over-liberal of his breath. He holds his hand out, ready to receive your pen, and immediately upon receipt withdraws to his former occupations. Now is it not amazing to think the Society of Warwick Lane should have no more concern for the recovery of so useful a member, who, if one may judge from these appearances, would become the greatest ornament to that illustrious body? Another student struts up fiercely to your teeth, puffing with his lips, half squeezing out his eyes, very graciously holds out his hand to kiss. The keeper desires you not to be afraid of this professor, for he will do you no hurt. To him alone is allowed the liberty of the antechamber, and the orator of the place gives you to understand that this solemn person is a tailor run mad with pride. This considerable student is adorned with many other qualities, upon which at present I shall not further enlarge. Hark in your ear, I am strangely mistaken if all his address, his motions and his airs, would not then be very natural and in a proper element. I shall not descend so minutely as to insist upon the vast number of beaux, fiddlers, poets and politicians that the world might recover by such a reformation, but what is more material, beside the clear gain redounding to the commonwealth by so large an acquisition of persons to employ? whose talents and acquirements, if I be, be so bold to affirm it, are now buried or at least misapplied. It would be a mighty advantage accruing to the public from this inquiry that all these would be very much excel and arrive at great perfection in their several kinds, which I think is manifest from what I have already shown, and shall enforce by this one plain instance that even I myself, the author of these momentous truths, am a person whose imaginations are hard-mouthed and exceedingly disposed to run away with his reason, which I have observed from long experience to be a very light rider, and easily shook off, upon which account my friends will never trust me, alone without a solemn promise to vent my speculations in this or the like manner, for the universal benefit of humankind, which perhaps the gentle, courteous, and candid reader, brimful of that modern charity and tenderness usually annexed to its office, will be very hardly persuaded. End of section 9